Kia ora, I'm Georgina Campbell. It's August 10th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. It's hard to go through life in the 21st century without hearing daily about exercise, dieting and healthy eating. But what if everything we know about obesity, weight and fatness is wrong? That's what The Herald is exploring in a new podcast series from journalist Sasha Borisenko. In Chewing the Facts, Borisenko sets out to debunk a lot of the myths in Aotearoa with some surprising insights from experts and those with lived experiences. Today on The Front Page, Borisenko joins us to discuss what she has learned about the things that weigh us down. Sasha, a lot of our Herald readers will know you as a weekly columnist and someone who has reported extensively on the law industry. But now you've made a podcast about people's weight. I mean, what motivated you to explore that? Well, I think, you know, I'm a freelance journalist. I've been behind the tools for 10 years or so, and I find that I'm really inclined to report on things that, A, kind of question you know, the status quo, um, anything that has an investigative element, I love. Also, there's the legal side of it and really social issues, you know, it tickles me, but is my muffin, if you will. So I was really chuffed to kind of do it. I mean, this project really started about five years ago. I was doing some work freelancing for various outlets and looking into the wellness industry. And then I started to pick my interest because I guess, you know, I'm a woman, Of course, I've dieted my whole life. Uh, You know, I'm sometimes fat. And so when I started to scratch the surface, I realized it's this intersection of all these massive things that are really fascinating. You've got history, you've got the investigative element, you know, following the money, if you will. There's the discrimination, the legal side of it. And yeah, it's just kind of everything and everything. So let's start with one of the big points the Chewing the Facts podcast makes quite early on. You refer to the so-called obesity epidemic. Is it not an epidemic? Well, so this is very much explored in episode one, episode five and episode six. I think really it fascinates me because, you know, if I'm looking at kind of a legal discrimination point of view, When you look at fatness, you know, in mainstream media circles, it's always through the lens of health. And I guess socioeconomically or, you know, sociologically, when you talk about it with people when, you know, when I was kind of in the throes of putting together this idea of doing this big project, I mean, the first thing that people start to say, oh, you know, but fatness equals unhealthy though. And I think it might be this intense internal sense of justice that comes from, you know, being a lapsed Catholic, if you will. But yeah, I just find that really strange because maybe it's my legal background, but from the outset, it just seems like a rights issue. So when we look at the obesity epidemic, quote unquote, firstly, we've got to preface it with the fact that obesity is seen by the fat community as a pejorative because it's saying, you know, you've got a diseased body or it's medicalizing it. And then if you look at some of the research, I mean, there's 30 years worth of research. There've been a lot of studies looking at how, particularly in the 90s, so we're, you know, at the heart of neoliberalism, the obesity epidemic or obesity panic, as it's been coined, was really weaponized 
at the expense of a whole population. So when you look at kind of the policies coming out, you see this kind of influx of individualism, individual focus policies directed at if you are over a certain weight, it's your fault and you've got to do something about it. Discrimination based on weight illegal. Oh, come on. Look, I tell you what, uh, take some personal responsibility. And we all have to own up to our little weaknesses on these matters. Thank so you. you. Think obesity is a weakness? Yes, generally. Another thing that you talk about is the body mass index or BMI. And it's actually been quite refreshing to see this system that's hugely linked to a healthy weight really come under the microscope in your podcast, but also more recently, I've read a couple of articles, kind of looking at this and questioning it. You look at why it shouldn't be the guidance that we use anymore. Can you just unpick that and explain why that is? Yes, so in June, so, you know, what, I'm four months deep into creating this series, the American Medical Association came out slamming the BMI. You've got the World Health Organization, they've got this Lancet Commission that's looking at the diagnostics of quote-unquote obesity. The Medical Association said that it's problematic, it's got problematic roots, it varies drastically among different populations, it totally is problematic when we think of people of colour, and yet it's measured in a lot of the studies that I've read and that are featured throughout the podcast. BMI is a measure of fatness and, and, you know, putting it in the context of athletes, right? They're like, oh, no, you won't ever see an all-black. They are classified as obese, quote-unquote. How is that? I mean, that's just suggests how flawed it is. And when we're looking at it through a health lens, you know, a lot of these things, and this is very much a feature of episode one, a lot of the health risks that are associated with fatness, it's not the cause. It just happens to be that from a population level, we look at it through health. I think if you look at the history of it, it kind of dates back to the fact that the first kind of weight charts dated back to insurance companies assessing risk. And so then we have this kind of coupling of health, risk, fatness. I mean, I remember even at school, you know, when we found out about this thing called the BMI and sitting down with my friends and working out what each of our BMIs were. And I just felt relief when mine was in this threshold that determined that you had a, a healthy body. But it's such a blunt tool, but it amazes me, you know, how ingrained it has become and how obsessed I think a lot of people have become with it. And you also look at genetics and this is... A classic question with this issue, I think, you know, is it just personal choice when it comes to fatness or is it genetics or how do they relate? What have you learnt from investigating that? Well, there are a couple of things in there. I mean, you know, when we have this idea or this obsession with the virtueness of, you know, health, right? So it's kind of the moralisation of health. And if you are within this quote-unquote normal range, you are deemed to be healthy. But from... I guess, yeah, my legal background and also sociological background, if you will, I find it really fascinating. Like, we don't question people who, you know, smoke a packet of durries a day, drink like a fish. But with fatness, there's this kind of instant assumption around, you know, their lifestyle choices. When we look at the history of it, you look at the Protestant work ethic, which is, you know, if you work so hard, you'll reap the benefits of a fruitful life. The seven deadly sins is gluttony and sloth. So it's all tied up with these ideas about morality 
And that very much permeates when we talk about food, you know, what's good for you, what's bad for you, what's rubbish. And I think we've kind of forget that. But talking about the genetic side of things, I mean, personal choice has been debunked a million times over, and yet it penetrates everything because it's convenient for policymakers, right? So if there's so much of an emphasis on it's your fault, you know, you're to blame for your lifestyle choices, then it means that there's no kind of accountability or responsibility from corporates, industry, politicians, policymakers. Yeah. So it's a perfect storm. If you're enjoying this episode of The Front Page, make sure to follow this show in our suite of New Zealand Herald podcasts on iHeartRadio. Most people I know, when they want to try and lose weight, they turn to diets like shakes, keto, or like trying not to eat bread. I've done that. But what do experts say about the effectiveness of dieting? Well, so 95 to 98% of attempts to lose weight fail. Yeah, so the research is kind of out there. But, you know, coinciding that is this, I guess, this belief system where people want to believe that they can be thin because thinness is associated with wealth and it's associated with privilege and power, right? But, yeah, so, you know, those who do diet two-thirds will subsequently gain more than they lost. Sure, diets work short-term, but all the long-term studies suggest otherwise. So, for example, a 2018 meta-analysis looking at 29 long-term weight loss studies found more than half of the lost weight was regained within two years, and by five years, more than 80% of the weight was regained. I could go on and on with all these studies. There was a 2012 study following... 4,000 identical twins aged 16 to 25 women who had gone on a two or more diets were five times as likely to be classified as overweight, quote unquote, using the BMI. And why the BMI is so important to talk about is it's very much used as a barrier to various things. You know, where bariatric surgery has been pegged as a kind of solution to solving the obesity epidemic, there are caps in place. You know, it's also used in terms of fertility treatment and whatnot. You scratch the surface and it's a body of work where, from an investigative and journalism point of view, it's exciting but also overwhelming. When you actually look at what's not being measured, so people's access to care, people's ability to pay for care, people's health status before a pandemic versus during a pandemic, people's living situations, etc., etc. If you start adjusting for those things quite quickly in many circumstances, the risk of body mass itself disappears. You've spoken to dozens of people for this series. Are there any personal stories that you know have really resonated with you, have stuck with you, or revelations that totally caught you by surprise? Uh, Well, I've done to date, I think about 48 interviews in total, and that's definitely going to increase. And that's not including, you know, hounding people on the street and whatnot. I want to say it's binary in the sense you've got a lot of camps. I think the thing when we talk about fatness, there are these emotional responses to it, like, oh, you know, must be this. And everyone kind of has an opinion. But 
I think with any kind of piece of journalism, I'm personally always affected by the personal stories, especially learning about all of the aggressions, the real day-to-day discrimination that really took its toll. I know in the bariatric episode, I spoke to someone who almost died, so spent six months in hospital, and they have issues going out for dinner, don't drink. But yeah, I asked whether, you know, would you do it again? And I think the comparison of how they've been treated since the surgery as to before, yeah, they said absolutely. And I think that really had an an impact on me, just thinking, wow, you know, because we don't have a weight discrimination clause in the Human Rights Act. So there's kind of a reluctance to even acknowledge that it exists. But I think contrast that with that particular interview. Yeah, that was really interesting. And similarly, it's really hard because bariatric surgery is quite confronting to a lot of people. You know, there's, from the fat community's point of view or some members in the fat community, it's seen as, you know, body mutilation. Some people think it's an easy fix. It's just so complicated. And I think when you talk about fatness or anything to do with fat, it's much more nuanced. It's just not black and white at all. Can you explain what bariatric surgery is for those who don't know? Essentially, there are three types. I mean, people might know about stomach stapling, but that's not a thing anymore. You've got the gastric band, the gastric bypass. But essentially, yeah, the first one, you've got kind of a ring around the top of the stomach, and that restricts the food And then you've got the bypass, which essentially cuts the stomach in two. Yeah, trigger warning. Um, It's kind of brutal. But it, oh gosh, it's really hard to explain. (laughs) That's okay. But but it's basically surgery to, I guess, like change the stomach to help people lose weight. Well, it's, well, this is the fascinating thing. And what I didn't realise is that Mm. people believe that bariatric or weight loss surgery, as it's otherwise known, is to restrict the amount of food. Sure, it does. But it also changes the entire physiology of your body. So in the genetics episode that's next week coming up, we start to talk about things like hormones. But the hormone element with bariatric surgery kicks in straight away. So what you find is people, you know, a week after they've had the surgery, the weight is still there and they'll go automatically into type 2 diabetes remission. So that kind of puts a huge spanner in the works when we're thinking about, oh, fatness equals type 2 diabetes. And look, it's not easy challenging society's assumptions about weight, obesity, dieting, but you've got stuck into it. Your podcast is out there now, the first episode. Have you experienced any backlash at this stage or how are you sort of preparing for some of the challenges that people might put to you? Gosh, should I prepare? I don't know. I mean, I love talking to people. I love learning new things. And this is very much just an attempt to untangle the science history and forces behind fatness and Aotearoa for me, just to get my head around it. So yeah, no, I don't know, but I I probably should prepare, shouldn't I? Saying that, I feel pretty confident about the work, but for all the haters or people who question the material, I've put all the show notes with all the research, all the links, all of the meta-analyses, et cetera, et cetera, on chewingthefacts.com. So if anyone has any questions or wants to have a punch up, just, you know, read up on that stuff, I reckon. Head to the website. Head to the website. (laughs) 
Well, in this day and age, I think any journalist with the likes of social media and that sort of thing, we can cop a lot of flack, I think. But look, I mean, what do you hope the listeners will take away from this series once they've got through all 10 episodes? Well, I think that, you know, there's this obsession or, or, or ideas around what everyone thinks is fact. And, you know, if, if I can help, I don't know, provide some insights into the research, making it more palatable for audiences, that would be super great. Also the recognition of discrimination and witnessing being privy to these amazing personal stories. And, and yeah, I think that's probably my modus operandi. Thank you so much for joining us, Sasha. And you can listen to new episodes of Chewing the Facts every Sunday, wherever you get your podcasts. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and Paddy Fox with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Georgina Campbell. Subscribe to The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts and tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.